Welcome to Jetstream Postgame, a presentation of Breezy Bend Country Club. Here's Brian Munns. Well, the final score says it all, doesn't it? 5 nothing over the Vancouver Canucks. Connor Hellebuck, a 24-save performance, a four-point night by the captain, and, yes, 1,000 games in the National Hockey League for Paul Stasny. All eyes were on number 25, a special pregame ceremony with his wife and children on the ice, and when it was all said and done, Paul Stasny very happy with the way it all played out inside the Matt Frost Media Center. Yeah, it was uh, emotional. I got watery. I, I knew I would when I, you know, whenever I, uh, my parents kind of praise me, whether it's through a text message or, you know, because my parents are like me, they're, they're, they always have a lot of praise, you know, and then like when, I think we all keep our emotions in check a little bit. So I think, you know, at any time they're proud, it kind of makes me feel special, makes me feel good. Um, it's cool to see good buddies. Uh, yeah, just happy. I think more than anything that my kids got to be there and my wife. I think uh, my daughter was super pumped up. I think the first question she asked my wife was if she could be, if she could go to the family room during the game to hang out with the kids. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, oh, things are a little different here this year. But uh, yeah, for, for the Jets to be able to pull it off and, and um, you know, they, my wife and the kids sacrificed, uh, you know, they didn't go to daycare or Montessori school for 10 days. Um, they've been hunkered down you know, super paranoid that, you know, just because they wanted to make this night special. They've been tested multiple times and they never complained. So more than anything, I'm happy uh, it's over with and, and they got to be part of it. We'll go next to Murata Tesh from The Athletic. Go ahead, Murata. Thanks, Gregor. Um, yeah, congratulations on the accomplishment now that it's in the books, Paul. Uh, to, to this extent, now that the game is done, you've got the win, you have the emotional ceremony. What do you, what do you suspect you're going to be taking away from it memories-wise? Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's always nice to hear, uh, compliments. I mean, compliments are always nice. Let's be honest. Everyone, you know, everyone likes it. Um, part of me, I don't like the limelight. I don't like, I'm happy it's over with. Cause I just, I don't like, uh, yeah, I like to fly under the radar. Like my wife and I are, are both similar like that, but you know, anytime you hear very nice words, complimentary words from people you look up to, uh, people you, you know, they're your mentors, people that you played with that you respect their game, your peers. I think, I think that means a lot to me. And, uh, you know, all those messages are always nice. I got, you know, my phone was blown up today. So it just, um, it's cool to see the people like keeping tabs on you. Uh, I think more than anything, it's just, it's kind of the way I was raised where I think I've said it before. It's, you try to be a good person, you know, you try to be a good hockey player first and foremost, but, or you try to be a good hockey player first and foremost, you want to be a good person, good teammate, you know, have good character, good values, good morals. And that's something, you know, both my parents kind of bestowed upon me and uh, my in-laws bestowed upon, you know, my wife. And so that, that's always kind of been our thing. And um, yeah, you know, I think uh, when you see the kind of the reaching out and the outpouring of love and support from all these people that, you know, whether I went to grade school with or college with or cross paths in juniors or college or yeah, juniors or college or professional or international, it's, that's pretty cool. And it's, uh, it's unique. Obviously it doesn't happen too often. So, um, you know, I think we're, we're proud of this milestone and, and happy it's over with and probably more excited that we won, you know, cause it's going to be a night to remember. I think, uh, if we'd have lost five, nothing and <laughs> everyone would have been still grumpy in there, but I think everyone's in a good mood. I think, uh, we know where we're sitting now and, and it's always nice to win on a special night like this. We'll go next to Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg free press. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey Paul. Um, 
Blake had, had mentioned uh, Paul Maurice's pregame speech, and it seemed to be a based on a question of kind of about you. I'm, I'm curious how much of kind of your the respect that they have for you played into that speech, if anything, and, and if not, then just the overall you know play from your teammates who seemed to embrace you at the end there and then follow through with that celebration into what was a pretty solid 60 minutes. Yeah, I've always spoke high volumes of Paul as a coach. Um, but, but the one thing that you guys don't see is he's got these like, I mean, these Winston Churchill speeches and, and I don't even know how he thinks of them. It's just like, uh, we've won five in a row. I'm like, oh, what's he going to say? He knows exactly what to say. We lost five in a row. Guys are down. He knows exactly what to say. So he, he always does a good job of kind of like intertwining, you know, something special. My thousandth game with, you know, the way we're trying to build our game with the way we're playing, you know, and, and he always kind of takes a step back away from hockey and has a different perspective on it. So um, a guy being in the league long enough, being around different coaches, uh, being around a bunch of leaders, it's, you've seen a lot of different ones and everyone has different tactics. Everyone knows how to, everyone does different things, different ways, but you could tell he, he, he's very thoughtful. He takes his time. He, he knows how impactful his speeches are and how impactful his, his words are. And, and they mean a lot. And, uh, you know, I don't take that for granted. I always tell the guys that are young to, you know, to appreciate it because one day they're going to have a coach that is not like him. And um, there's a lot of coaches league that they all coach differently, right? And and some are just X and O, some are motivators, some are, you know, guys that have that military or military approach where they just want you to work hard, 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 and they're really hard on you. And Paul's doing a good job of kind of blending everything in. And that's something I really noticed when I came here three years ago. And I, and I noticed now, and um, he's really evolved, you know, as a person, as a coach. And, um, and now the way he talks about us, you know, the way the relationship, it's almost kind of, it's like a father, son, like a, a mentor relationship where, you know, you can always look up to him and, and look for him for guidance. And, and he does, uh, yeah, to me, it, it, you know, he has a lot of impactful speeches, stuff that I'll remember always that, you know, when you're younger, you probably wouldn't pay attention to it. As you're older, you realize, you know, how important some of these things are that he's talking about. And final question to Tim Campbell from NHL.com. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, Paul, congratulations on the thousandth game. Uh, let me get you to look forward. Um, what are the challenges, the biggest challenges the Edmonton Oilers are going to present you guys? Um, their power play. Their top two guns, McDavid and Dreisaitl. You know, just just finding ways to. It's nice knowing who we're going to play. I think it's it's finding ways to try to minimize their chances off the rush. I think uh, they're they're going to make plays. You know, they're going to score goals. They're going to score points. Um, but for us, it, it's how do we adjust our game to make us successful? You know, I don't think we want to. We don't want to change our game to stop them only. I think. Yeah, that's a priority, but we also got to find a way to score goals against these guys and and find their weaknesses. And I think the coaches will do a good job of kind of coming up with a, with a game plan, you know, and for us to kind of trust that game plan and go from it. I think, uh, you know, we don't expect games to be to be one nothing, um, but when you play, you know, superstars like this, they're game changers. They're they're it's a good challenge. It's you know we're up for it. I think uh, you know there's probably no pressure on us, so we just got to go in there with with low pressure, but just play the game and enjoy it and embrace the challenge. I think anytime you play against those guys, um, you know, it, it raises your game, but at the same time, uh, you know, we got some pretty good players on our team too. And uh, we got some guys coming back soon that are healthy that should be back for playoffs, whether it's early in playoffs or during playoffs, you know, so that's important. But at the same time, I think I'd like the, 
I like what we have in our room. I think we complement each other when we play the right game. I think it's about sticking with that. And I think uh, sometimes we get frustrated, might get away from it. But, um, you know, some of the last games, we actually haven't been playing that bad. But, you know, things weren't going our way today. We got probably some more balances. But uh, there's things in games that we like and, and that we know that are advantageous to us. And we just got to stick with that. Be patient, knowing that's going to be, you know, a, a tough series, but it's going to be fun. So congratulations again to Paul Stasny playing his 1,000th National Hockey League game tonight in a 5 nothing win over Vancouver. Stasny's career, of course, began in Colorado, made its way into St. Louis, to Winnipeg, into Vegas, and then back now, of course, with the Winnipeg Jets, who will look forward to round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers as tonight's victory clinched third place for Winnipeg in the Scotia North Division. Jets and Oilers will play a best-of-seven series. Much more on that over the next few days, and more on this post-game edition as well of Jetstream for Breezy Bend Country Club. But as we talked about off the start of the show tonight, it was a four-point performance, two goals and two assists for the captain, Blake Wheeler. It was pretty similar to, to last night. Uh, bounces just kind of went our way tonight. The, we, we found him and you know, hell he was good. We didn't give up a whole lot. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's important to, to get a good feeling going in the room. Uh, thought, thought, I think we've, you know, throughout this stretch of stayed together and stayed tight and, you know, we haven't turned on each other. So, um, I mean, that's as adverse of a stretch as I've, I've been through. And so it's, uh, it's nice to, to see the guys still pulling together. We'll go next to Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Weaver. Thanks, Weaver. Blake, what did you think of the way you were able to generate that offense, sort of doing it the right way or the things that Paul has been talking about, getting to the net and those sorts of things? Well, yeah, I think, you know, the first first few goals were, you know, kind of our identity, just nothing nothing special through the neutral zone, just, you know, make their D turn and go get the puck and just forecheck them and force them into making mistakes. Uh, you know, from there, like I said, uh, you know, get a good bounce to go your way. Things will open up and, um, you know, it was nice to see him going. We'll go next to Tim Campbell from NHL.com. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, Blake, on the on the broadcast tonight, uh, Kevin said that you played early in the season with cracked ribs. So would you confirm that and say why it was important for you to play through that as opposed to staying on the sidelines to recuperate? Um, you know, I, I guess you know, if, if I feel like I'm able to contribute, I'm going to keep playing. Um, you know, I, 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 our team was still winning. Um, you know, you guys didn't think I had a big part in that, but I, I still felt like I was able to help the team. And that was the most important thing for me. You know, if I was out there and just, you know, certainly I, I wasn't myself, but you know, if I was holding us back, that would be a different story, but you know, our team was still going in the right direction and, um, you know, so that, that, that's, uh, I guess what went into it. Just a couple more for Blake. We'll go next to Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg free press. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey Blake, you talked about getting rewarded for those chances or, or finishing those chances. What can, what can putting the puck in the back of the net, you know, the way you did tonight do for the psyche, not just for your line, but for the team as a whole. Well, you know, it just uh you start to just feel like it's never going to happen um I mean we even had a few in the first period that they looked like from the bench like they were going in and hit a stick or hit a post or whatever it might be and it just kind of feels like it's just never going to happen so um 
you got to give the guys a lot of credit for keep pushing and just kind of keep doing the right things and doing the same things because you know ultimately when it comes playoff time um it's a lot harder to score goals and that's the way you score goals you know you, you just keep doing the same things over and over again with that blind faith that you're gonna get rewarded for it and final question to Murat Atesh from The Athletic. Go ahead, Murat. Thanks, Gregor. Hi, Blake. You, you talked about the need to conjure emotion. I mean, was in, in that way Paul Stastny's tribute and celebration in 1,000 games something nice to be able to lean on and point to today? Big time. I mean, uh, Paul had uh, one of his all-time best speeches. I mean, tonight, uh, put it all in perspective and – um, when I say Paul, I mean Paul Maurice, not Paul Stasny. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, Stas is the type of guy that, you know, goes about his business. I mean, he's kind of, he doesn't say a whole lot, you know, doesn't command the spotlight, doesn't command a lot of attention. And, and you know, his teammates respect the hell out of him for it. And I think um, it was a night that was kind of a galvanizing sort of moment for our team that, uh, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to have a good night for him. We wanted it to be a, a memorable night for him. Um, you know, his wife and kids are in the building, just something that he's always going to remember. And I, we're, you know, we were pumped that we were able to, to play a good game as a team and give him some good memories. The post-game analysis from Jets captain Blake Wheeler, who scored his 14th and 15th of the year in their 5 nothing win over the Canucks. Kyle Connor lit the lamp with his 24th of the year. Mark Shifley is 21st. Mason Appleton, his 11th. Final thoughts on this post-game initiative jet stream for Brazy Bend Country Club goes to the head coach, Paul Maurice. Blake Wheeler said it was one of your best pregame speeches of all time. Uh, what can you tell us about the contents and the inspiration for it? I think I've given some better ones than that one. Um, I would say the best ones are the ones where you just tell the truth. So I haven't been as concerned about our last two weeks as you might think. And I just conveyed um, what I feel is a really important progression for a team that so I think when you look at our our year, we talked about the uh, ups and downs of the North Division of being in Canada, that they would be extreme. And, and a seven-game losing streak is an extreme event for sure. But um, I think what we went through is really, really important. And I think we have a far, far better chance of winning now than we did three weeks ago. And none of that actually has anything to do with the words that I used. It's just that was the... That, that was the kind of underlying feel that I had going to the to the room just to convey that to the team. Like, we have a chance and an opportunity to kind of come out of this two or three weeks that we've had and be a much, much better team. And none of it's going to make it easier or look good. We've had to scratch and claw here. And, and I would suggest, and I go back to all of your predictions at the start of the year, certainly the national predictions, there's a whole bunch of them didn't have us making the playoffs. And then we got to this level and, excuse me, got very excited about that level. And then it disappeared on us. And um, 
then went to the other end of the spectrum, it was terrible. So I think my speech might have been shorter than my answer. But uh, at the end of it, I would say I told the truth about how I felt about where we were at. We'll go next to Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Sean. Thanks, Gregor. Hey, Paul, you talked about easy scoring drying up in the playoffs. Was what we saw tonight an example of the kind of scoring you expect from your team in the playoffs? Yes, there's a whole bunch of those goals that uh, Appleton's goal, when you take a look at the screen that Lowry had set, um, you know, Shife's shot tip. And then there's some other things that will happen. I mean, the, the Wheeler goal pass to Kyle Connor back to Wheeler. I mean, that's that's special stuff. And that comes out occasionally, but it can't be what you rely on. So I thought that our offensive zone play, with the exception of about 10 minutes of the second period, was, was right on exactly what we needed. We'll go next to Carter Brooks from Game On. Go ahead, Carter. Hi, Coach. You had a few of us stumps here when we saw who was coming out to the opening lineup at the start of the game until we kind of figured out what was going on. Can you tell us a bit more on that decision as to play those veteran players to start? So each one of those fellas by position were games leaders, right? So, um, you know what? I, you kind of put yourself in the players, maybe how he feels, right? So you're, it's your thousand game. You're the, that's a big deal. You want to share that with people. You want to share that with men. So there, what was the? I couldn't pick friendships. I couldn't pick because um, I don't know the answer to that question. Who who Paul is closest? What are the five guys that he's closest to? So we just went in and said all of the guys that are uh, games leaders by position would would stand at the blue line, and it would be a moment maybe that that would make it special for him. Certainly Blake at nine eighty. I think we had. Um, uh, Ben's at 5.55. Tomer's at, he just passed one. He's at 8.20, I think, is the right number. I'm not going to remember Josh's because he's at like 3.49. And then Heli was 3.14. So those were the numbers of the guys going out to the game tonight, and I thought that that would be special for him. We'll go next to Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, in your mind, what's the difference between your team finishing their opportunities and getting snake bit? The uh, the two seconds before, right? That the the, um, the anticipation of an elite athlete that a shot's coming in has to be released. So that would be, um, you ever read that Malcolm Gladwell book? He's talking about the guy that could pick out the double faults from a tennis server by watching TV and he had a higher percentage than everything else. It's, it's those elite people, you can't see it on TV, how they change their body and how they get their puck to the, st- that, that's a, it's a feel, right? So when you're feeling good and you're feeling right, everything happens for you, right? It doesn't pop over your stick. You're a half second early or a half second later, whatever it is that makes these men great. That's in them. It's 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 not something you can kind of coach them or say, well, if you shift your body here, it's they've done it a thousand times. And when your mind is right, um, 
I think you're just in that that zone where you your body does the right things. We'll go next to Murat Atesh from The Athletic. Go ahead, Murat. Gregor, hi, Paul. I almost want to preface this by saying congratulations on the win, clinching third and getting a win on, on Paul Stastny's night. But uh, uh, Blake Wheeler was asked about playing through broken rib, not broken, pardon me, cracked ribs early on in the season. And he said that as long as he felt he was able to contribute, he was good to go. That's something I have to be honest. I, I don't understand where that comes from. Can you make me understand that decision by a hockey player and also the decision to play him substantial minutes as a coach? Okay, so... We're playing in Dallas my first year here and Blake gets hit into the door late in the game and crawls out the door down the hallway. I pull my card out and I scratch his name off. Um, and, and he's back on the bench about three minutes later, right? There's still time on the clock. We're down a goal. And I'm thinking that's, that's not possible. So every player is different. Before anybody plays, the doctor decides whether this is just a pain thing or this thing can get worse. So it's cracked ribs. I mean, it's a pain thing. He has an incredibly high tolerance for pain. And at the same time, I'm going to watch that game. And if clearly he can't play the game, he's not going to play. But Blake would be a guy that has, over the time that we've gotten to know each other, would have a real right wide latitude of of what I would allow I'm not talking about from a medical point of view about I'm talking about from a coach's point of view can he play he comes in he says he can play then he, he can play I mean he, he's he's done that two or three times a year every year that I've been here he played with a broken heel at one point um the list of injuries that he's played with that nobody would ever know about and his production never fell off and and kind of after the game going how did he get through that but he just does. So we, we, we don't, and, I, and, and this is a really important part to this answer, we don't put players in harm's way. We will, we will give them, there's nothing kind of above the shoulders that they have any room on. But if it's a pain tolerance thing, then you're going you're gonna to listen to your guys. I've, I've, so Blake and a fellow by the name of Robbie DeMaio are the only two players that I've ever coached that could play with crack ribs. And Robbie... I mean, he, he he played with them and threw hits. Still don't know how he did it. And and Blake played the way he played. So I also knew that he was going to get a, goes back to one of the questions. I said, give it two weeks and I'll, and I'll have a different answer for you. That was the window on that injury that he would come out and be healthy. And final question to Tim Campbell from NHL.com. Go ahead, Tim. Well, looking forward, um, what do you foresee in a series against the Edmonton Oilers? I'm going to answer how you stop Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl 412 times. And if I'm any good, I'm going to give you 412 answers. I'm just hoping one of them's right. <laughs>